Welcome back to The Scruggs Show. I am your host, attorney Natasha Scruggs. I'm here at Let It Fly Media. If anybody has any needs that they need media, hit them up. Over here in Waldo with my guy, Justin. Appreciate the shout out, <laughs> as always. Justin is the mastermind behind the keys. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know. It's been a minute since you've been in the studio. It's been, it's been like, what, almost three weeks? What, what have you I been think, up to? I think about two weeks. Okay, um, oh yeah, it's two weeks. Yeah, yeah, true. I've been working nonstop. I've been focusing on back to school because... I have a younger sibling, he's in high school, and I have another sibling in college, and we've been on the edge of our seats trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen? Is school going to resume like normal? Are they going to go back online? Are they going to do hybrid? I mean, every parent, guardian, sibling has been worried about this. And it's been some interesting stuff. Like, I've been randomly going viral on Twitter (laughs) talking about this. And I'm like, my big mouth keeps getting me in trouble. But I keep getting media, too. Like, media outlets have been reaching out. CNN reached out to me. Some local channels reached out to me. And it's crazy because it was the 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 first tweet that went viral was a waiver and it was a waiver that was sent to parents in the Hazelwood School District and I graduated from Hazelwood East so I I went from grade school on up through Hazelwood and the waiver it said that it said entertainment and sports like no it said activity and sports waiver but I knew you know from going to Hazelwood East that every single student signs signs these waivers at registration because just in case you have to do an activity during school. And so I tweeted it and I said, look at this waiver. Would you let your kids sign this waiver? I said the waiver. Well, let me actually look at the exact tweet. (laughs) Did you have to sign those kind of waivers when you were in school uh, as far as like activity? Like if you ever got hurt just generally? Uh, I mean, I played sports. So like at the beginning of the year, we have to sign some stuff saying like, if you get injured, like the school's not responsible for that kind of stuff. But, right. I mean, other than that, like we would go on field trips when I was in elementary school to like the outdoor learning center where we see animals and stuff. So, like, oh, we did too. Yeah. So our parents had to sign off on that stuff. But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of waiver you're talking about. I feel like it's, <laughs> like it's a little different than what I did when I woke or when I grew up. But they were trying to they were trying to cloak it as like you guys always sign these waivers. I'm like, no, this waiver is totally different. Yeah. So the waiver that so it said so I tweeted, I said a Missouri public school district sent this quote unquote liability waiver for parents if their child gets sickness, death resulting from being in school. And I said all I said was thoughts. <laughs> and so it had like six thousand shares, like a thousand comments, and not only that, it was like articles written about it in raw story and it was like all of this stuff and even the the district tweeted me and was saying like this isn't true we don't have a COVID-19 waivers for students to appear in school it was just for activities and um my problem with the waiver and I now I've heard that district 500 in Kansas has this kind of waiver I've heard of other districts having this waiver is that the first thing the waiver says is I acknowledge that federal and government officials have declared that there currently exists a public health crisis called the coronavirus. Then it says, I permit my child to participate in this program or activity, you know, at any time. But if they get any symptoms, I say I want to take my child out. That second paragraph is fine. It's it's a lot bigger than that, but 
that's fine. My issue was the the language in the last paragraph that said, I agree, release, discharge, and hold harmless the Hazelwood School District, its agents, employers, and, I'm sorry, employees, officers, and Board of Education members from any and all claims, demands, causes of actions for injuries to or death of my child occurring during, resulting from, or participation in programs, activities resulting in any way from COVID-19, even if the clause is the is the cause of damages, injuries, I'm sorry, even if the cause, oh, even if the cause, damages, or injuries are alleged to be the fault of negligence, carelessness, or recklessness. So I know that was a lot, <laughs> but basically it's saying if the, if the school, its agents, its teachers are reckless, negligent, or at fault and made a mistake and kids get COVID and my kid dies, the school they're not is, responsible. <laughs> they're not res- that's, that's, that's that looks loaded. insane. Yeah, it was loaded. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and every parent who retweeted, quoted, talked about it, said that they would not sign it. And that's what's an yeah, issue there's right no now. way. I wouldn't sign that. No. So my question was, if the schools are not... Well, first of all, if the country is not at a place where we even know what's going on with COVID, if the world is not at a place, we don't have a cure, we don't have this, we don't have that, why would we even send them to school when we pulled them out of school last year? So I think that the reason why I'm in Missouri and the governor wants kids to go back to school, and I think he's doing that because he's cool with Trump, and Trump wants everybody to go back to school. But why send the kids back to school? Why even potentially harm the kids if we don't have to? If it's 2020 and everything is online and every kid knows how to use... I'm talking about babies know how to use iPhones. They know how to use tablets. And the middle schoolers and grade schoolers and high schoolers can use computers. Why would we even risk that? That's what I've been, like obsessing over for like two weeks (laughs) yeah this happened when i was in high school and i highly doubt my parents would have been okay with me going to school like already right now scared that i'm you know 25 and still going out to bars stuff like no trust me mom (laughs) i've been in the house like i ain't going nowhere right i I ain't risking it this i mean this is what you're gonna go get a, a Public education for third grade just to get COVID and die? like That makes no sense exactly. to me. That, I mean, and, and then to add insult to injury in Missouri, um, the governor decided to cut $133 million from the K-12 budget. So we're cutting the budget from, the, from communities that devastatingly need it, from communities that are disparagingly affected by all the issues. Because let's be clear, we're still in the Black Lives Matter movement. We still are in the social justice era. There's been protests every day since May 25th, since George Floyd passed away. And now we have to deal with this and COVID, and now you're cutting our funding. So to me... The people, remember last time, if, if you guys watched my prison abolition episode or my prison is a paradigm episode, I talked about the domino effect and how the last domino is falling. Now we're looking at the kids and the kids are being, to me, discarded 
And I feel like a result of all of this stuff, like you're not going to see the negative results of this, but you're going to see it in 10 years and 15 years. Because let's be completely honest, this is going to affect neighborhoods of color the most. Right. Like let's, that's just a fact. Definitely. Black kids and black schools because black schools are underfunded anyway. And then I just recently saw that some of the private schools and some of the charter schools in Kansas City are getting like grants and PPP loans because, you know, they they have the ability to apply for those but these state funded schools they're they're at the mercy of the state and that's why an elected official has the responsibility whether it be the governor the mayor whoever to make sure that the kids have what they need and i don't think that they that they're doing that i don't think that the kids are being prioritized i don't think that um they care about these kids to be honest and that's why i said what i said and um since then, my school district followed me and they said, well, we want to talk to you, Ms. Scruggs. We want to um, collaborate. We want to work. So they said that they want to do better. Okay. But from from their side, like like kids have to be educated somehow, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what, in your opinion, is like the best way for your school district or the school that you went to or any public school right now? Yeah. Um, like what what is their solution? What is your solution to them? to stay at home, just like we did before. When you don't know what to do, you do nothing. And doing nothing doesn't mean let's pretend to go back to school. We, we were already at home. I had to go and pick my, school, my, my sister up from school in two days because they said all the college kids gotta go home. My little brother, they said, he's not coming back to school. <laughs> We've been doing this, the kids are used to it now. They're used to it, they're at home. They do homework. My, actually, my brother got the best grades he ever got in COVID. I know that, that that may not be true for everyone, but, and I'm not saying that distant learning doesn't have its issues. And I'm going to talk about that later on in the, in the podcast, but for the safety and security of the kids at home schooling should have been planned for the last six months. And when I say at home schooling, I don't mean send kids at home and, 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 and wash your hands. I mean that the district has to actively prepare a plan to make sure that kids can get educated at home. And so this weekend I'm doing an event called the Kinchella, and it's an event with another local, um, or lo- local business called Aristocrat Photography. And we are giving book bags and back to school items and laptops and things. And when I was looking to see what organizations uh, or what families to give this to, I called KCPS and KCPS is doing a great job. That's Kansas City Public School District. Kansas City Public School District has decided that all kids are going to stay home. And I agree. And they've done a good job at that. And they told me that they have a homeless population of kids and I, and I was ignorant to this. I didn't know about this. And she said the HP. And I said, what's that? She said the homeless population. The homeless population, they don't have um, stable housing. Some of them live with a family in a hotel here and there. Some kids live in their car, teenagers. Some kids live in shelters. And she was saying that there's a gap. And they had an issue last year where only maybe 55% of the kids were able to log on. So when I say, you know, do distance learning, I mean do distance learning and ensure that each kid has access to internet, has access to technology, and even has a place to go and uh, study if they're not going to go, if they're not going to be in school. Um, 
I, I I saw earlier in the year where a school in Texas would actually put hot spots on buses and literally drive to the neighborhoods where the kids were at and just sit with the hot spots so that the kids could do it. So it, uh, but the th the point is, is that it's going to take planning, and it would have been better if they would have been planning towards distance learning to not planning at all and saying, okay, we're going to do A, B, or C, and now it's August. I mean, it's about to be August, and we don't have any good plans right now. So. If I was in charge, that's what I would have done. From the moment we closed schools down in March, I would have planned for an all-virtual school. And they didn't do that. So I guess, like, that's easy to say when a school does have money. But, like, I, I remember in the past you've mentioned stuff like, uh, like unaccredited schools that, like, I didn't even know existed. But from what I assume, like, they're not rolling in the <laughs> bank, exactly. <laughs> Definitely so like, not. Yeah, so how do schools like that react to this? I mean, right. like, I don't even know where they get their funding. And then you hear about, you know, the state defunding, like, the education system yeah. more and more, like, cutting school spending. Right. Teachers have to spend out of pocket to even put, you know, notebooks in their class. And now <laughs> that they're not being equipped by the government to, to even start this next school year up, like, right. I, there's so many questions. So what do they do? Yeah, I feel like the the schools that are unaccredited, you know, they they're going to have to get help from the community because to be honest, our government is failing us. They are in charge of the public schools. They're they are in charge of making sure every kid, regardless of if they're homeless, regardless of if they they're living in poverty, that they get an education. And right now, as always, poor kids do not get that same privilege. They've been telling us that, "Oh, all the all the kids cuz think about it, we have a school district that is up north. So we have Staley High School and then we have Hickman Mills. They're in the same city, but Staley High School is like a top high school. They have so much funding. When I went to their school um, campus, it looked like Harvard to me. Like, it's insane. So those kids in Staley, they're going to be good when they go home. <laughs> Even my brother, he's in North Kansas City. It's not as it's not as affluent as Staley, but it's still up there. They're, he's going to be good. But like you said, the, the city schools... And the schools that don't have a lot of funding and don't have a, a organization because Kansas City Public Schools has a foundation. Hickman Mills is like on its own, you know, island. And it's like all those kids are forgotten. I used to be sad seeing the kids even get on the bus. I'm like, they're going to school, but they won't be able to go to college. So they their hope is gone. And now knowing about this homeless population that I haven't even seen because, you know, in America, I feel like we we kind of the homeless population is like invisible. It's like you don't see them because we don't know what to do with them because of all these societal issues. So now we have kids that are homeless, but they don't look homeless. It's not like they're on the corner. You just you just see them come in your classroom and you know that they're homeless. What are we supposed to do now? They're going to be at home, quote unquote. We don't even know where they are. Same thing with college kids. There were homeless college kids that were kicked out of the dorm in two days and they had nowhere to go. All of this is like pressure. And then we're expecting them to do well on testing and we're expecting them to get straight A's. <laughs> it's just a, a huge mess. I blame the people who are in charge. If you're in charge of education, be in charge of education. If you're the governor and you claim to care about our schools, designate funds, poor funding. But because I don't trust him and I don't expect him to do anything, that's why I've 
pretty much done what I've always done, which is just try to see what I can personally do and then do my best to educate, use my big mouth to educate people, let people know, hey, parents, if the parents don't want this to happen, if they don't want their kids to go back to school, they can voice that and they can say that they have a choice. They have a voice. And I talked about that on the news yesterday. So honestly, I feel like the future of our kids is going to be in the hands of the community and not in the hands of the government because they're going to defund. They're going to continue to defund. They're going to continue to disregard and discard our kids. And like I said, this is in the middle of a Black Lives Matter movement in which every school district, every organization, every government came out and said, we believe that black lives do matter and we care about black people and blah, blah, blah. But then at the same time, all of this is going on and everybody's turning a blind eye to it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like the snowball that keeps on just getting bigger. Like, <laughs> like you, look at, you look at marginalized groups and say, okay, well, they're down the hole right now. And then stuff like this, it only more compiles the same problem that they're going to face. So how are you supposed to like, how are you supposed to get out of this hole? Like, right. I, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have even a real like put together thought to even conceptualize how, how you get out of this. So right. like, and wh that's what, what people say. Do? They talk about the foot being on your neck constantly. And that's why people say, oh, black people are lazy or black people are this or black people are that. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We literally have so many different things on us, so many dominoes, so much stuff. And we dealing with people who have to go to work. We dealing with people who are first responders, who are essential workers, who have been working the whole time. Um, what... I don't know what America's doing. I don't all I know is what my family has been doing. I was able to do it because I I am somewhat essential. I worked and I didn't have my household was not affected by COVID financially. But add that piece on there. I it's crazy. It's just gonna further lead <laughs> it's it's just gonna further lead to the you know the same problem we have. Yeah. And like ultimately we'll end up to the, you know, the more more criminalization of of People of color. Yeah. Is, is, is that not true? Yeah. Speaking of criminalization, right after the governor, you know, decided to defund our schools, he then signed in this new law that said it's like four different parts to it. One of the parts I'm super worried about because I know it's going to target young black children, black boys in particular. It's basically saying that if a teenager is online doing what, they consider to be gang activity, and I put in quote-unquote quotation marks, then they can be charged with a felony. And because there's such a cultural gap, when a prosecutor or a police officer can see something online, they could they could say that it's gang activity and it's not. Like, I, I'm in a group of friends, and we were in high school, and we always used to throw up LC, and we called ourselves ladies with class. If you see a group of us in a in a group and we're doing like this they can say i just threw up a symbol they can say oh that's gang activity it's and so they subjective can charge you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying so it's it's super harmful super dangerous yeah. and he and he said it's ha it's a mandatory felony like what and then it was like mandatory sentencing these are the things we're supposed to be getting away from these are the things that are not supposed to be happening anymore these are the things that we've known that 
disparagingly affect black people. Same thing with, I'm in a sorority, I'm a Sigma Gamma Rho, and we throw up a sim- signal with that. One time, I think on CNN, it was some Kappas, and they were throwing up their symbol, and they said something about, they they threw up gang signs. And they were like, no, that's like a, a fraternity sign that they're throwing up. And it was like, what? It's like, you guys are so far removed from like... Out of touch. Our, yeah, yeah, from our culture, and then you try to criminalize that. And so it's been, over the, over the pandemic, it's been a lot of kids being arrested for what they post online. And right now, as an as a criminal defense attorney, I can tell you that the number one evidence is like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They're using social media against us. So the fact that the governor, out of all the things he could have signed, out of all the things he could have done, he decided that this is this is this is what's needed. And it's not. And that's just one of the many things that he signed. So defunding, criminalize further criminalizing more mandatory sentences, more turning a teenager into an adult in the eyes of the law in the middle of all of this. I mean, I'm so disappointed. And I and I hope that I hope that he understands that we see what he's doing and we see what the government is doing and we we're not going to stand by it. So my version of resistance is doing everything that I'm doing. Say, okay, schools are you know, schools may not be preparing for online, but I'm going to prepare for online. So that's why my firm personally bought five new laptops. And then when I bought the new laptops, I I was just hopeful that I was going to get some help. But it was crazy. The floodgates came in on Twitter and they were like, look, we have this organization does tech and this organization does tech. The thing is that they didn't know, since they're not doing the work that I'm doing, they didn't know that all of this stuff was cut, all of this money was cut. They didn't know that it was like needed like ASAP. So now we're like meeting, it's this uh, organization called PCs for People or something and they have like laptops and desktop for 20 and $30. We're getting donations. I mean, the community, I, I'm so proud of the community right now from everything that's that we've been doing because we've literally like put each other on our backs and said like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let each other fall pretty much. So... Yeah, so, I mean, talk more about just, like, how the silver lining. Like, you can, we can probably go on for for hours about, like I said, the snowball that's going to keep, you know, progressively getting worse and worse and worse for for certain groups of people. But, like, how how is the community, how have you, how have people you know kind of responded to this? Like, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Like, I think the light is more people are more caring about their own neighbors because I feel like Americans were so isolated and we were not that kind of community that we probably used to be back in the day. And now I'm seeing it. I'm seeing I'm seeing people, especially in the black community, I'm seeing black black neighbors checking on other neighbors, checking on elderly neighbors. I see them um, like this. Like I even though I've done the law camp every year, I've never done this, and this is something I could have done. I've seen black people come up with different ideas to say, okay, whatever the public school's doing, that's fine, but we can do something else. I've just seen, I've seen so much growth, and the light at the end of the tunnel is, this, what we're doing is resistance. Resistance means the way that things are, we're not just gonna sit back and allow it. So I feel like the more resistance we do, 
the more they're going to have to change. The more we talk about the issues, the more the government is going to end up changing. I think ultimately it will change, just like I said in the other in the other uh, podcast we did. I think that the more kids, I know for a fact that the more funding the kids get, the more support the kids get, the more technology, the more attention they get, that it's going to benefit them in high school. It's going to benefit them for the opportunity to go to college. And we should, you know, it's going to benefit them to be able to go to college because, like we said, those kids that go to unaccredited schools, while they can't get into regular colleges, they can start doing other type of colleges and other type of schools, especially if we appeal to them. So it's kind of like putting the power back into the people's hands and saying um, what what we will and will not accept as a community. And I like that. So what's that next step? Like, I'm a 25-year-old guy living in KC. Uh, I, I don't exactly know what to do when it comes to, like you said, the next step. So what is my practical, like, do, do I go out and just vote for a certain person or, like, be educated on voting or, like, or do I go and fund uh, different foundations that are helping the community? Like, what is what is your advice for someone who kind of looks at it and is like, I know something's wrong. Like, mm-hmm. ob- it's very obvious to people looking <laughs> looking from the outside in. Like, yeah. something's kind of messed up. Something, <laughs> not, not kind of. Something's pretty, <laughs> pretty jacked bad. up. Exactly. So, so what is it that you say your advice for a 25-year-old or an early 30-year-old or even a parent who might be, like, overwhelmed with, what's going on like what is what are you you supposed to do it's crazy because when this when the black lives matter movement first started this year everybody who was anybody was trying to donate and i don't think that donation is for everybody i think that it's for the big corporations because one corporation can donate the same amount that one small that like a million regular people donated i think that um everyday people can can affect the community in a positive way by honestly doing what they're already doing, but just opening it up to others. So if you're an artist, say if you're a painter, you know, you can call up because honestly, all the stuff that I've done, I literally just I didn't know how easy it was to like talk to like superintendents and like <laughs> or get it, and, like governments and things like that. I'm like, wow, it's kind of easy. And like school districts, I'm like, oh, I just called them and talked to them. So if I'm a painter, just for example, I could literally say, hey, um, is the art department suffering right now? Is Does the art department need some help? I guarantee you the art teacher would say, yes, we need more easels or the kids need something to do or something. So it's kind of like you don't even have to go so far outside of what you're already doing. You can do the same stuff that you're doing, but do it for the community. Another thing I have, uh, the I, there's a barbershop that's next to next door to my firm, and I asked them would they donate some free haircuts because I said it's going to be kids in the parking lot, and, you know, it would just be nice if they got haircuts. They said, yeah. So now four, four barbers are going to come in on a day that they wouldn't normally come in. They don't come in on Sundays. They're going to cut kids' hair for free. Same thing that they always do. So it's kind of easy when you think of it like that. It's kind of overwhelming when you think, oh, man, I don't know how I can, you know, do, I I don't have a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars. Like if I had a million dollars, I would give it all to the school district (laughs) because I'm like, I'm so upset about this. I'm I'm pissed, but I don't have a million dollars. So what do I have? I have influence. I have this. I have that. I'm going to do that. Cool. I, I can organize too. 
And, and I, honestly, that might be worth a little more than a million dollars. Exactly. When, like long term. Like honestly, you put the you put the the wheel in motion for not you know huge names. Like again, for people like me, I don't have. I can't drop just a bunch of G's on on a donation, but no. I, mean, I can move that conversation forward. Yeah, of just course. Just word of mouth. and That's the thing, too, like speaking up. But um, just seeing where you can contribute. I have a friend that's a rapper, and uh, she will help. She, you know, she, she'll volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club and, you know, talk to kids about doing that. Or it's so many different things you can do, but you have to do it from your standing point so that it's not difficult because we're all trying to, we're all just trying to make it. You're 25, I'm 29. We we do have to, we can't neglect ourselves. So you, like, like when you're on the airplane, they say put the mask on yourself, then you help others. So that's why... I, I always tell people to to stay within their lane and do what feels absolutely comfortable. Um, you know, we have some people who are teachers. That's what they do. Everybody can be teachers. Now, I, I, do, I do a little teaching for the Future Lawyers Camp, but really that's not my forte. Um, and so I don't try to. I don't try to do it. I don't try to say I don't try to step into the role of a teacher, but I do want to help the teachers. And that's why we got the, the school supplies. Um, my firm, we do donate. We do have a budget for that. And that's why I was able to to do that. But besides that, um, I do, like I said, the law camp. Or we can't do the law camp this year. We're doing law kits. We're basically going to send like a scavenger hunt style um, kit where the kids can do a, a case themselves at home. So, I mean... Honestly, I I think the community or with videos like say say you guys do videos or say if Billy Billy says look, I want to all the kids that want to be filmmakers contact us. Mm. We're gonna pick three kids and we're gonna make them something. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and, and they will like the kids will light up. Same thing with the Chiefs. You know, um, kids love them. So <laughs> all they really have to do is like go see some kids, and yeah. kids are gonna like fall Ex out and they're gonna cry and <laughs> <They> stuff. <geeking. laughs> And that's what they do. You yeah. know, they do a good job at that. So, um, th but at the same time, the organization, and I would say the players, those are the ones I want to open their purse. Those are the ones I want to open their wallet because they they don't have the time and the wherewithal to really come and do certain stuff. But people with deep pockets, we just need your coins. Regular American people like us, you know, we, we do what we can and we talk and use the media. Like, you doing this, this is actually, I feel like, People don't understand that they're, like, in the movement and, like, doing stuff. This is a part of the movement. What we're doing, this is resistance. This is, you know, taking action. Not being complacent with yeah, yeah. the current state of our society. Yeah, that's literally, it's all involved. It's the news. It's the press. It's the, it's the local media. It's the organizations. It's everybody working together, the businesses. You know, you guys are a small business um, during the middle of COVID. You know what I'm saying? It's all of this stuff is just working together to say this stuff matters. Yeah. Because you know, sometimes people have to censor themselves when they when they do certain stuff. Like what if Andrew would have told me like, you know what, Tasha, I heard what you said in the first yeah, episode. We, we can't, we can't be having it. <laughs> you can't do that here. I'm like, hold up, what? I can't I mean, like so you can say the stuff as long as it's what we want you to say. <laughs> exactly. So it's like free, yeah. free, free Thinking, free press, free everything. So, 
Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you coming in, and I I think it's really cool how our conversations, or not just us two, but like the first episode that you filmed with us versus like now, how the conversation is continuing to evolve, and just like the way, not just Black Lives Matter, but like social uh, injustice or social justice has kind of become a more normal conversation. I feel like that wasn't, it wasn't cool to talk about, or it wasn't like, it was like people, you know, kind of like, exactly, like kind of shy away from it. Like, yeah, you talk about it behind closed doors, but it's not just like, you can't just come in and do a podcast about it. But right. now it's, I feel like it's so normal and appropriately should be, um, like this conversation should be had and I'm glad we're having it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, like you said, hopefully next year things look different because this oh, yeah. year for school, uh, I'm not too excited about, but I'm doing the best I can. The parents are going to do the best they can. We're going to we're gonna make it through, but I don't know how it's going to be with all the funds being cut. Because when he cut, when they cut the budget, I don't know. Because the schools, this is the other thing, the schools don't speak out enough. Mm-hmm. And they don't say, hey, we're, we need this money. So I don't even know where the money was going. And I don't know what's going to suffer, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> I don't know what's going to suffer. And you're going to come back next week. Next week. <laughs> Tell us what you found. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to do some research. But, yeah, um, as always, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, All The Scruggs Show. Follow me, Attorney Scruggs. And if you want to be a sponsor, hit me up. If you want to contribute, or even if you want to be a guest, you know, hit us up, and we might feature you. So, 